This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Ingress. The 2020 Sydney Autumn Carnival will reach its zenith with the Star Championships at Royal Randwick over two exciting days, April 4 and April 11. A total of $20 million in prize money will be distributed with eight Group 1 races programmed. April 4, the Star Doncaster, the TJ Smith, the Australian Derby and the English Sires Produce. Co-feature will be the New Haven Park Country Championship Final. Saturday 11 features the Longines Queen Elizabeth Stakes, the Swept Sydney Cup, the Australian Oaks and the Coolmore Legacy Stakes. Co-feature event is the Polytrack Provincial Championship Final. The Championships, April 4 and April 11, the Grand Finals of Australian Racing. In more than 50 years in the racing media, I've been privileged to work with some very talented and versatile people. None more so than Rod Gallegos, who retired in December 2018 after a career spanning six decades in print and electronic media. Rod was an outstanding racing journalist, a talented race caller, a gifted TV host, and in later years, very adept in administrative roles at Sky Channel and Sky Racing Radio. His versatility was exceeded only by a wicked sense of humour, a lifelong love of a cold beer, a warm pie, a punt and a good joke. Rod and his wife Kay now live in Canberra, which is home to one daughter and three grandchildren. The couple have ample time to reflect on 56 years of marriage and a life which has revolved around racing in Queensland and New South Wales. The Rod Gallegos story is an absolute natural for a podcast like this. It's the story of a young bloke born and reared in Bundaberg whose dad didn't bet but loved to look at racehorses while his mum couldn't let a race go by without a little flutter. Great to catch up with an old mate and a bloke who could always see the humour in the most dire of situations. Rodney, it's great to have you on the podcast. Uh, John, you've left me speechless. I didn't mean to do that. I'm, I, I'm not, not used to uh, so much flattery, but uh, thank you. Thank you very much, and thanks for having me. It's a pleasure, mate. Rod, I reckon our listeners will enjoy a trip down memory lane with a bloke who's torn up a few worthless betting tickets in his time. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, uh, but it's been a lot of fun. Uh, no better place to uh, to learn the facts of life than uh, a, a racetrack, John. You remember the late Jim Killen, Rod, Sir James Killen, who died a few years back. Uh, he was the Minister for Defence for many years in the Malcolm Fraser government. He told me once that as a politician and a cabinet minister, the best barometer of the feel of the electorate was the race course and how right yeah. he was. Yeah, absolutely. He's a man of enormous wit and wisdom, uh, Sir, Sir James Gillen. He, um, uh, he, he came up with some absolute classics. What did he say? Uh, nothing uh, improves 
uh, a horse's form uh, than ownership, I think it was. That's right. And how true that is. Rod, you grew up in a beautiful Queensland city called Bundaberg on the banks of the Burnett River and uh, I think you told me once that you were born very close to the distillery. I, I skited that I was born on the banks of the Burnett <laughs> within the shadows of the distillery. <laughs> it's, it's, and it, it actually, John, it's almost true because um, I was born in a little uh, private hospital in Curtis Street, which does in fact uh, run alongside the uh, the Burnett River, uh, the distillery was a little bit. There'd have to be a long shadow to reach me, but still, <laughs> you know, that's a bit of journalistic license. Yeah, Gallegos is a Spanish name. How many generations have we got to go back to find your uh, your ancestors? Oh, gee, John, you've got to go back a a, a fairly long way. Um, Certainly my father, my grandfather uh, were both born here and I think my great-grandfather. Mm. Uh, but I think it was something around around that time. But I, I always say that um, my, my relatives fought the bull and I wrote it. <laughs> the journalist's lament. <laughs> now, Rod, your dad was a chemist at the sugar mill. Yes. Uh, a fine gentleman, my dad. I, uh, I don't know whether I've quite lived up to his standards, but uh, he 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 wasn't he rarely had a bet, but he loved the races. Mm. And uh, at uh, one stage, he he was actually chairman of the Bundaberg Race Club uh, for a period. Mm. And uh, and Mum, of course, she does. Uh, she did uh, love a bet. She uh, she was the one that drummed into me about. Uh, Always back, uh, back a horse uh, straight out because if you bet each way, mm. you've either got to double your stake or halve it. Mm. Been a few times I've regretted doing it, but nevertheless, I, <laughs> I, I've, stuck, I've stuck rigidly to my mum's edict. Now, your grandma, on which side, mum or dad's side, grandma that had the boarding house in Bundaberg? That was uh, my, my maternal grandmother. Right. Now... Racing people, whenever they brought horses to the Bundaberg meetings, would stay at Grandma's boarding house. So you were rubbing shoulders with these people from a very early age. Do you remember any of the of the characters of the era? Oh, uh, well, uh, mainly from what I was told, but uh, Taggy Young was one that uh, used to uh, come there, mm. uh, Pat Costello, uh, um, Eric Bartlett, uh, uh, my dad, I, I won't name the the, uh, uh, the the trainer, but my dad tells the story about one that used to stay there and uh, he was also fond of a, a, a drink. But um, he he was uh, he, he went to the stables to, to the horse on race day and uh, he had a, a shot of brandy, which... Uh, was to be administered to the horse because it used to liven up. Uh, I think it was an arsenic thing that they used to give them. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he, he's uh, got the brandy in his hand and the hand was shaking a bit and he looked at the horse and he looked at the brandy and he said, oh, damn it, he said, my need's greater than yours and he drank the brandy <laughs> and Dad said the horse won without it. <laughs> oh, dearie me. 
One day your mother was horrified when a bookie called Jim McLennan gave her four bob, four shillings, and said, go and give that to Rod, Mrs Gallegos. He backed a winner. What happened? Yeah, what was that's, Mum's that's, reaction? That's, well, uh, um, I, I think deep down she was rather proud of it, but she did have to scold me for it. I, I, I was about four, I think. And uh, the, the, one of the jockey, uh, top jockeys of the time was uh, Jimmy Griffin. Mm. And um, I went up to uh, Mr. McLennan, who lived about four houses from us in Lamb Street, yeah. uh, Bundaberg. And I just I obviously went up to him. Personally, I, I don't recall it, but I did walk up with my two bob, which is a bit of money, yeah. incidentally, at the time. Talking about 1956 or seven. No, no, oh, no, no, earlier no, than that. It'll yeah. be 1946. I beg your pardon. <laughs> yeah. 46 or 47. Yeah, correct. And uh, I said, uh, Mr. McLennan, can I have two bob on Jimmy Griffin? So that's, that was the result. And, of course, he, he, I, I think probably the thing he was on would have been odds on. But anyway, mm. dear, well, Mr. McLennan uh, paid me even money. Mm. I'm I not th- even sure whether I got the four bob now when I think about it. Mm. Well, it's, it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> now, Went right, to a worthy cause anyway. I think Jimmy Griffin gave you uh, one of his riding crops on one occasion. What a keepsake! He, he did. It was, uh, and it, it was um, uh, like it had a wooden handle. And uh, yes, he, he gave me that. I, I, I went to a fancy dress ball. Uh, in in a jockey's outfit and uh, mm. carried the Jimmy Griffin crop. You were fourteen years old when you were invited to make your debut as a race caller. Now the resident caller of the day at Bundaberg, I think his name was Dennis Carswell, had to go somewhere else. They were without a commentator. That's right. Yeah, the man called Elston Johnson. Uh, he ran the bus company in Bundaberg, and he was chairman of. Uh, one of, there was actually two race, well, three race clubs in Bundaberg in those days. There was the Bundaberg Race Club, the Bundaberg Amateur Turf Club, and the Hibernian Race Club. Mm. The Hibernian Race Club used to run, I think, one or two meetings a year. But anyway, uh, our, uh, Mr. Johnson uh, said, you know, do you fancy yourself as a race caller? And uh, I said, yes. And he said... Uh, he took me out to the track one morning and showed me where the broadcast box was, which was a bit of a platform in, mm. in the mounting yard. And um, uh, he uh, said, "Okay, you start on Saturday." And there was no 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 rehearsal or anything. He no. just showed me where the gear was. So there'd been no preparation, Rod. You hadn't been rolling marbles across the kitchen floor no, or no, doing what no. I did with the paddle pop sticks. You, you did no, a cold no, turkey, yeah. Well, I, I think I think my my desire for for race calling came uh, from a fairly young age. My maternal grandfather uh, was deaf, <laughs> and. Um, uh, he liked a bet, and on a Saturday, uh, I would listen to the races. The ABC uh, was the only one you could get in Bundaberg in those days, mm-hmm. and I would write down all the results of the races for him uh, as 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 the as the uh, meeting went on. And I think you know, listen. I, when I first started listening, 
Uh, it was Keith Nowell in Brisbane, mm. Rocky Melville yep. in Sydney, correct, and Joe Brown in Melbourne. Yes, and uh, um, I um, and I think that uh, sort of gave me the urge to to be a race caller. They were the the uh, three that I, that I heard on a on a on a regular basis. So well, then uh, Lockie Melville retired, and uh, then Jeff Marley uh, came along. Correct. Yeah. But uh, I, I I met Joe Brown several times. He was a character. Uh, I never met Lockie Melville, and of course I I, I uh, 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 well Keith now became my father-in-law. He did. Yeah. We'll get to that later. Now, Rodney, you handled that first meeting when you were 14 years of age without a binocular stand with which to hold the glasses steady. Now, this is a prerequisite for any race caller, but you got one in a hurry after that first meeting. Yeah, well, you know, well, well apart from just any sort of natural movement that you have in calling a race, I was as nervous as all get out, but <laughs> anyway... Uh, we, we we survived that, and uh, my dad got someone at Milliquin to uh, to make me a stand, mm. and uh, I I had that for for years. Uh, uh, yeah, right. I think it's a, a disappointment for your family that that original binocular stand and Jimmy Griffin's whip are not in your possession these days. I mean, then. They're historical yeah. items. <laughs> well, look, they are to me. Uh, but uh, um, the, um, uh, the 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 whip, the, the the flaps on it eventually broke, and uh, mm. they fully well, just you know not broke, but I think they just wore out, you know, mm. uh, slowly disintegrated almost. And, mm. uh, and and the old binocular stand, I I'm just not sure. Uh, where it ended up, mm. but anyway, that's you know, they're they're happy memories. You found yourself doing more meetings at Bundaberg and other places, and the pay packet was very attractive. Thirty bob, one pound ten. Did you manage that money wisely? That was a lot of money to get at, at your age. It, it was, it was, uh, uh, and actually, uh, uh, um. It, it went up subsequently uh, because I, I, um, uh, I my, my shorthand was very good at the time and I used to do the stewards' uh, report. Mm. Uh, it, uh, it, it, you know, I, I was, you know, really rolling in money. <laughs> it wasn't long before other race clubs in the region were clamouring for your services. And you were very thrilled and very proud on one occasion to be invited to call a meeting at Mount Perry, about a hundred kilometres away. Yeah, and, uh, the uh, they didn't have a broadcast box, um, but they just had a, a, a microphone in the grandstand, and uh, you were just surrounded by. Uh, by people, um, uh, the punters, and uh, I don't think the, there wasn't thousands there, but it was a, it was a fairly big crowd for the Mount Perry meeting. Mm. 
Uh, I don't think a Flemington or Randwick crowd could make as much noise during a race as the people of Mount Berry. It's mm. a big rap. <laughs> <laughs> now, Rod, part of your school curriculum involves sheet metal work, woodwork, and technical drawing. Correct. Now, did you show even a trace of natural ability in any of those areas? Absolutely none. Uh, it, it was part of the, the school curriculum that um, uh, the two years before high school, uh, you went through all these different courses to see what you were what you were good at. Well, within one day, I think they knew I was hopeless at the <laughs> manual uh, caper. Yeah. Um, I I I made a uh, in uh, cheap metal work. I, I made a. Um, uh, um, uh, a panic and a, uh, a mug, yeah. And uh, there was more solder than tin in it, and it still <laughs> leaked. Uh, uh, the other one was a um, a teapot stand that involved a, a dovetail join, oh. and um, I had to put a screw and a nail in it to keep it together. <laughs> so, and the the the, the, the teacher uh, whose name escapes me, but uh, he was a lovely man. But he just said, he said, son, he said, whatever you're going to do in life, it's got to be a long way away from this type of caper. Did he? Yeah. yeah. And, John, uh, I've been hopeless at it ever since. I, uh, I, I, my kit of tools in the garage here consists of a hammer. Yeah. Uh, a screwdriver and a pair of pliers, and not none of them been used very much. <laughs> you enrolled in a shorthand and typing course when you got to high school, so journalism must have been in the back of your mind even then. Oh yeah, that was well. That was the purpose of it. Mm. Um, uh, but uh, the 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 other advantage of it, of course, was there was myself and about five or six other boys who took the course mm. because the rest of the course was made up of girls. Goodness me. And then I was, <laughs> had just attractions. And all good sorts. Uh, yeah, absolute, absolutely. <laughs> now, Rod, you pricked your ears when you heard uh, that a cadetship had come up with the Bundaberg News Mail. What did you do? It, Make it application? Did. Yep. Yeah, um, and I mean, I was I was sixteen at the time. Um, I turned seventeen uh, the following year, and um, um, it, and I I had the job uh, on the condition that I uh, passed my junior exam. Which was the the um, um, you, you went scholarship, then two years later you did junior, then two years after that was senior in those days, and um, I uh, I had to sweat out I think about a month uh, working uh, as a first year cadet on the Bundaberg News Mail, and waiting for these these results to come out, and um, the the newspapers used to get all these exam results the, the day before, they'd be printed and they'd appear in the paper the, the next day. 
and I kept on going up and down the back stairs at the news mail. The comp, uh, composing room was down below and the reporter's room was uh, up above. I think I nearly wore the stairs out going up and down waiting for these results to come. And um, eventually they did and I saw that I'd passed and I heaved a great sigh of relief and walked up the stairs and the, the editor at the time was Mort, a man called Mort Nash and uh, Mort was sitting at his desk and subbing away and, and he looked up and he said, where have you been? I said, oh, Mr. Nash, I just went down to check the exam results. He said, I could have told you that earlier. Anyway, that was the start of it and, and um, I, I got a very good grounding there. And, uh, well, you and did the, everything, didn't you, Rod? You even had your own column at one stage. Had a little, uh, yes, a, a, a little um, a sports column. Um, did uh, uh, social news. We did everything. Mm. Uh, it was it was a very very good grounding. You know, most of us can look back on people who had quite an impact on us in early life, and you've never forgotten Sergeant Kelly of the Bundaberg <laughs> Police. Well, Sergeant Kelly, was, he was a big man. Uh, he used to uh, be on duty at the races every Saturday. And uh, uh, I um, had a bet uh, on uh, McDougal in the Brisbane Cup. And uh, I think I had 10 bob on it. And uh, I was standing with, with Sergeant Kelly and listening to the race and they hit the line and uh, actually I think Vince Curry might have been the caller this day and uh, they used to get the races I think they used to get the, the line from, from from Brisbane with the race broadcast and it was I'm sure it was Vince and they hit the line and he said and he, he favoured Grand Gary in the in the in the finish anyway. Grand Gary or McDougal. Uh, he might have even gone, Grand Gary has just beaten McDougal. But, and I, I screwed up the ticket and threw it on the ground and walked off. Then later I found out that McDougal had won. Yes. And I, I scurried back to where I was standing. I'm looking around on the ground and old Sergeant Kelly standing there. He said, are you looking for this son? And he gave me the ticket. And he said, let that be a lesson to you. Never, ever throw away a ticket until you hear correct weight. But subsequently to them, I, uh, when I turned 17, I could get a license. And uh, I went to get my driver's license from Sergeant Kelly at South Bundaberg and got in the uh, Ford Prefect that we had at the time and drove around the block and he said, yeah, okay, come inside and I'll give you your license. And he he actually typed the license on a bit of cardboard in those days, and he's typing my name and the the, the on the on the little license, and then he handed it to me, and he said, "Oh, by the way, next time you go around this block here, <laughs> the stop sign, will you stop at it?" <laughs> yes. Rod, you mentioned a very good horse there before, McDougal, who went on to win the Melbourne Cup of 1959 with Pat Glennon on board. 
Yes. And by uh, Dick Roden. He was a great stayer, McDougal. Yeah. Uh, actually, I think uh, from, I think he might have even been Queensland bred. I think, yeah, he might have been by a horse called Marco Polo, was he? Does that ring a bell? Yeah. Anyway, yes. Oh, no, he, he, he was a good horse, McDougal. Rod, just stand by there for a moment. We're going to clear a commitment on the podcast. Back with you very shortly. The 2020 English Australian Easter Yearling Sale will offer 514 yearlings of the highest quality. The sale features siblings to 181 stakes winners, including 52 Group 1 winners, as well as the progeny of 170 stakes winning mares. 58 high profile stallions will be represented. Those with the largest consignments are Schnitzel, I Am Invincible, Capitalist, American Pharaoh, Not A Single Doubt, Fastnet Rock, Sebring and Exceed and Excel. The progeny of 15 first season sires will go under the hammer. The 2020 English Australian Easter Yearling Sale will be conducted over two days, Tuesday, April 7, Wednesday, April 8 at the world-class Riverside Stables Complex at Warwick Farm. Selling will commence on both days at 10am. It's a stunning catalogue. Talking to Rod Gallegos, former print and electronic media stalwart who had a wonderful career in the business of more than six decades. Rod, out of the blue came an opportunity to leave Bundaberg and join the Brisbane Telegraph. How did that happen? Well, uh, periodically, uh, the uh, chief of staff or the deputy chief of staff of the telly used to do a little country trip uh, looking for staff, looking for young staff. And uh, I was a, a second or third year cadet at the time. And anyway, the, the offer came to, for a D grade on the, on the uh, uh, Brisbane Telegraph. And of course, you know, I jumped at the charge and um, off I got on the train and headed off to the big smoke of Brisbane. And you did everything that a young reporter could possibly do in the first couple of years. Absolutely, yeah. I was a general reporter. Uh, uh, did a bit of police rounds, a bit of parliament. Um, uh, well, just uh, did everything. And a little bit again. It was it was very very good training. Yeah. Um, I was there for a couple of years uh, uh, in that role. Now another string to your bow was a stint as Brisbane editor of the famous magazine TV Times. Television in Australia was only five or six years old at the time, so a magazine like that uh, would have had a very strong circulation. Oh, yeah, and, and, and John, too, uh, television was big at the time. Uh, in those, when I, when I went over uh, to uh, TV Times from the Telegraph, which is... The the the, the uh, lure of, of the job at uh, TV Times was it was there was an upgrade involved in it. And anyway, uh, I I went there and uh, in those days uh, George Wallace uh, had uh, the show, he had about two or three live shows mm. a week on Channel Seven. Uh, Channel Nine uh, they used to have a, a a couple of live shows, so hence there was enormous amount of uh, a fodder for a television journalist. And, mm. 
there was a uh, you know personalities galore. But George Wallace was one of the greats. I I I, I had great admiration for him. He was uh, a, not only a funny man; he was a nice man. Mm. One day you were heading out to lunch when an attractive young lady instigated a chat with you. The poor girl was only human, Rod. <laughs> Not really. But, uh, yeah, she, she pulled me up in the corridor. Uh, uh, the ABC, the offices of uh, TV Times, uh, publicity and uh, concerts, education, talks and sport, uh, all were in uh, Penny's building on the upper floor of Penny's building, in, in, uh, which ran from Queen Street to uh, uh, Adelaide Street. Uh, and the, then there's the uh, ABC, their main television studio and radio studios were out at Tawong. But the uh, sport also had a studio in, in, in Penny's building. But uh, this, this young girl who worked for the education department Mm. Uh, said, oh, are you Rod Gallegas? I said, yes. And uh, she said, you know my father. And she said, I'm Kane out. And I said, oh, yes, I know him. You know, I, I, I know your father. And I said, I, I think he might have even helped me get the initial job on the on the telegraph. Mm. And um, I said, look, I said, uh, I'm just ducking over the road to the Globe Hotel for a beer and a prawn sandwich. Would you like to come? How romantic. <laughs> I tell the story that she beat me to the pub, but that's not, not true. <laughs> well, two years later, you and Kay were wed, but the date for that wedding took a bit of organising. It, it did because um, we couldn't get married during Easter, so the, the next um, – uh, and, and there was Easter Saturday – uh, and Easter Monday, big race days, which Kay's father, of course, was the, the main caller in Brisbane. Mm. So it was um, it was elected to be the following Wednesday um, uh, after uh, after Easter, uh, which I don't know whether fortunately or unfortunately uh, fell on April the first. Uh, the the advantage, of course, is that you know not that you could should ever forget uh, your, your wedding anniversary, but uh, um, it, it certainly made it easier to remember. Yeah, Rod, uh, you've always said that there were four racing journalists who made an enormous impact on you in your early days. Who were the four? I know your father-in-law was one of them, Keith. Nadd. Well, yeah, I mean, he, he, he was uh, uh, he was an amazing man, a, a, apart from uh, being a, a, a great race caller. Uh, he was a, a very good uh, racing journalist uh, and had an enormous capacity for identifying horses. Mm. So, um, yeah, he, 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 was a, he was a big influence. You mean at, uh, at, at track work? He used to love going to the early morning track work oh. because that's where he picked up a lot of his story leads. But you were telling me that uh, he could pick a horse coming through the gap in half light 
uh, with no colours up, of course, uh, yeah. in, in track work, he would know the markings and the characteristics yeah. of every horse. And, and uh, even, I've seen him even uh, identify one with a rug on. Mm. And, uh, he, you know, we'd be standing there at the track some mornings and, and uh, he, horses would go past and he said, hey, that's a new horse. Go and find out what it is. Mm. Uh, and... Uh, uh, you know, that invariably be an interstate horse coming there or, or something like that. But, yeah, he, he, he was, a, you know, and he he, uh, uh, he had a very uh, uh, fluent uh, style of writing. Mm. The others were naturally Bert Lilly, mm. who was, I think, one of the, the great racing journalists of, of all time. Uh, he had a... Uh, a lovely touch, uh, Bert. Uh, Jack Elliott, um, he, he, he was he was a great newsman and and uh, uh, a very good organizer of his staff. He was a uh, could be a bit brusque, uh, Jack, uh, but he commanded a lot of respect. Uh, and the other one was Bill Casey. Mm. Uh, Bill had a. a he had a really nice touch too. Uh, we uh, I, we did a few stories together, uh, Bill and I. Uh, one of them, of course, was uh, Charlton Boy. Mm. Uh, I was talking to um, uh, the foreman for Tommy Dawson, George Sorden, one morning, and uh, Charlton Boy had won a, a race on the Saturday uh, of some significance. And, and I said, oh, you know, had a big win on, on Saturday, George. Yes. Did you, did you celebrate? Oh, no. He said, uh, Charlie and I just had a beer uh, on Saturday night. I said, the horse had one. He said, oh, he loves it. So Case and I went around to the stables with a photographer uh, on the Monday mm. or the Tuesday and uh, organised to get this uh, uh, picture of um, Charlton Boy drinking. And I, I had a, somebody give me a six-pack of... Um, Balimba beer, which was the in those days, it was only two beers you could buy in in Brisbane, uh, four X or Balimba. Mm-hmm. Both the guys, well, take those, a couple of those for the the picture, and uh, I produced the Balimba beer to, to George Sword. He said, "Oh, turn it up." He said, "He won't <laughs> drink that. He only drinks four X." <laughs> and and uh, and anyway, we got the the, the story of uh, of Charlton Boy and and. George said, uh, he said, the good thing about the beer, he said, it's, it's good for the horse's coat. So when Case and I were driving back to the office at Bowen Hills, we went past the, the Albion Hotel. I said, Case, I think we'd better go into the Albion and see if we can improve our coat. <laughs> right, I've made an executive decision here. We're going to bring down the curtain on segment one of our chat Uh, because I've got many more questions to ask and I'm enjoying your responses. Just getting back to the four famous racing journalists who had such an impact on young Rod Gallegos, Keith Nowd, Jack Elliott, Bert Lilly, Bill Casey. Sadly, none of them are here uh, to respond to your compliments in person. This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Inglis.